out to a couple people this morning. I want to um, recognize Lisa Phillips, first of all, for... And she's going to be mad at me, and she's not going to like this, but she's right there in the beautiful pink sweater, if you don't know who she is. Man, last week before Super Sunday, she brought her lawnmower out to the Civic Center, and she said, our church ain't having church in a place that has a yard that looks like this. And she began to mow and weed eat the Civic Center grounds and make it look beautiful. So as people come in on Sunday morning, man, they had a fresh place to walk into and experience a fresh revelation from the Father. So it's even the physical things that you do that have a spiritual impact in the lives of people. So I want to say thank you, Lisa, for that. And Miss Pam Cathy, where are you? Pam Cathy was out cutting branches this morning off the bushes that were overgrown and, and looking uh, a little shady. And she's having a profound spiritual impact on somebody's life by the physical labor of love that she's doing every single Sunday. And then Andy Crouch, I saw him blowing off the, the under the awning this morning. And, and man, I just want to tell, thank you, thank you, thank you Man, to you guys who make the difference, that is what makes the difference here at TWBC, and you have a part to play, because even the most, uh, what we would say are menial physical acts of labors of love have a profound spiritual impact in the kingdom of God, and there is no job that is not useful in the kingdom, and it's as simple as seeing a need and not having pastor come to you and say, hey, can you fill this need? If you see a bush needs to be trimmed, grab a pair of scissors and start chopping, amen. I mean, I'm telling you, if you see the grass needs to be mowed, thank you, Lisa, for just bringing a lawnmower out and mowing grass. And, and, and Hunter Elliott comes here and picks up spiders and crickets every morning at 6 a.m. with me. And it's just, it's things like that that go on that I want to recognize in the church because that's what makes TWBC the most amazing church in the world. And thank you guys for all that you do because you are helping build the rock-solid foundation of the kingdom of God right here in Northeast Texas where we can do these amazing things. That's influence a 20-mile radius, impact a four-state area, and also ignite nations around the world. And you noticed I said it in reverse this time because our priority is impacting or influencing a 20-mile radius, amen? We are going to ignite the four-state area by impacting the or influencing the 20-mile radius. We will ignite nations by influencing the 20-mile radius because as we said five years ago, the church that shines the brightest at home shines the farthest abroad. So we're going to shine bright. We're going to shine far. We're going to watch God do amazing things. And so when you found Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 24, say, I'm there. Amen. All right, here we go. Let's jump into this. Verse 24 says this, everyone. Hey, so you're included. Amen. Come on now. Man, don't you love it when God puts all inclusive words that joins you right in? It says everyone. Everybody say everyone. everyone. Say that's me. All right, so now you know God's already talking to you, so you can't say God didn't speak to me this morning, because he just did. He said everyone, and so he's already spoken to you, but let's hear what he really has to say in our spirit, man. And it says, everyone who then who hears these words of mine and does them, right? Say does them. Does. You got to have practical application to a spiritual revelation. Can I get an amen? Yeah. I may not get to my message today. Here we go. And so everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. The title of this morning's message is called Falling Rocks. 
Falling Rocks is the title of this morning's message. And as we jump into this, I want us to notice the illustration that Jesus used. And it talks about all the way through the Sermon on the Mount, he's giving a very uh, in-depth dissertation, if you would say, on what it is to live like as a follower of Jesus Christ. But in all of his education, he ends the whole message of the Sermon on the Mount with an illustration. And it's summed up like this. There was a person who built a house on a rock and there was a storm. Okay? And so in this, Jesus is referring to you as a house. Amen? He's referring to you as a house, and the houses built in Jesus' day are not like the houses built in the United States today. They were made to last for generations, and they were built on a rock called a cornerstone, and we'll get into that message later in the series. And as they were built on the rock called the cornerstone, the houses were built to last generations, and as a generation would come, they would just add another level to the house, and a generation would come, and they would add another level to the house. And when the elder statesman who lived on the bottom floor is his time of leadership of the family would come to an end even before he died he would move up a level and the one that was next in line would move down to the bottom level to show the generational transfer of the anointing in the household now i believe this god is calling twbc to be a generational church amen more than just who you are with your generation, we are called to be a generational church. We're called to reach those who are a generation above you, whatever generation you're in, and the generations below you, whatever generation that may be. There are literally about five different generations actively represented at TWBC, and we must be a generational church, and we must build something on the rock of Jesus Christ that will outlast ourselves. Can I get an amen? You know, I would love to see 150 years from now, TWBC not just growing and thriving here in Northeast Texas, but TWBC all over the world growing and thriving because we've ignited nations. But in 150 years, how many of you know Pastor Joel probably is not going to be walking this earth? At least in the physical realm, amen. I probably won't be here. So we must create something that's generational. Jesus in this scripture wanted to create something that is generational. And he said this, and, and, he, and I believe Jesus would agree with this. No generation is ever left to be helpless, homeless, or hopeless. No generation is ever called to be left helpless, homeless, or hopeless. And to do that, we must become a generational church. So if you know of a generation in this church that's older than you, hey, go celebrate them, love on them, let them know that they're doing a great job. If you see a generation in this church that's younger than you, good, go celebrate them, go love on them, go let them know that they're doing a great job. Because for us to become a generational church, we must be founded on the rock of Jesus Christ. And so when the rains come and the floods come and the storms come, we can look and we got generations joining hands all across the place saying we're a generational church, we've weathered storms before and we're going and not just weather this storm, we're going to be victorious over the storms that come at us moving forward. Amen. And how many of you know you need preceding generations and succeeding generations to make that happen? And so let's become that here at TWBC. And so Jesus is making a comparison of you being a house. And so everybody needs to know that you are a house this morning, a structure for the presence of God to dwell in, for the Holy Spirit to reveal himself in. You are a structure in this earth, and the Bible calls you a temple of the Holy Spirit. It says, you, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And so he's trying to build a structure out of you. And here's the amazing thing that I love about this passage. And it says, and the wind, rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on this house. And this is us right here. But it did not fall. Come on now. I'm just going to speak that into your life. You're not falling, so don't plan on falling. You know, and if you have fallen, let's get up and let's quit falling. Amen. 
He's building something out of you that's not going to collapse, crumble, and fall under the pressure or the temptations of this life. He's building something out of you, and it's built on the rock of Jesus Christ. And it says, but it did not fall, and it didn't matter what the storm looked like or how big the storm was. So I want to encourage you this morning, don't plan on falling because I'm not planning on you falling. Come on now. Some of y'all need to start thinking more of, more of what God's doing in your life. I'm not planning on you falling. I'm not planning on you missing God. I'm planning on you hearing from the Holy Spirit and letting God reveal something in your life. But the sad state is most of our lives up to this point, and it's changing this morning, we're taking new ground moving forward. But up to this point, many of our lives have looked like caution falling rocks rather than founded on the rock. And it's time to change from falling rocks to get founded on the rock of Jesus Christ. And I believe this morning he is shoring up some foundations. He's bringing them things together. If there's a crack in your foundation, I'm believing right now, he's mending it together and making it strong and solid for the foundation, the rock-solid foundation to be built on, that he's building a house on you that'll last for generations to come. And the Bible says this, a wise man stores up an inheritance for his children's children. So he's saying you've got to become generational. And I believe he's talking a lot more than just money in that essence when that scripture is said. So if we're going to be um, get out of caution falling rocks and become founded on the rock, let's turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Yes, we're double dipping this morning. Amen. Hey, and you can even use the same end of the chip. It's all good. Some of y'all need to learn to be double dippers. Some of y'all need to read more than one passage in the Bible a day. Some of y'all need to start dipping two or three times. It's okay. You know, when I get a big old tortilla chip, I like to dip it as much as I can and just eat enough that I get the cheese off it and then dip it again. That's why I ask for my own bowl of queso and no, I do not share. Ask my kids. I don't share it. Some of y'all need to get in, Some of y'all need to jump in and fall in love with double dipping. And so the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 16 this morning. And I want you to start in verse number 13. And this is how he's going to begin to build the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ in your life. And listen, God is so amazing, he's going to do this in the next 20 minutes. Okay? So I'm telling you to buckle up and get ready. I don't believe this is a long, drawn-out process. I believe if you'll receive a word from God this morning, he's shoring up a foundation. And it only is going to take 20 minutes to do. And he's that good because he's that big of a God. And it doesn't matter how big the crack in your foundation is. And it says, Now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples... Who do people say the Son of Man is? Ask yourself that question. Who do you call him? Who do you call Jesus Christ this morning? Some of you, if you're just calling him Savior, that's probably one of the reasons you're struggling because he's always having to just come in and save you. Okay? I'm telling you, he's a lot more than just Savior. He is restorer. He is sustainer. He is healer. He is God Almighty. And so if you just call him Savior, that may be the reason he's always having to come in and save you from circumstance to circumstance. But he says we go from faith to faith to glory to glory. And I believe when you begin to get saved and you get out of the, 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 the roller coaster thing, he puts you on a plane and you start consistently getting closer to the image of the Father or Jesus Christ and how he walked in this earth. Man, I got to get back on this. Here we go. And they said, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Ooh, I love this guy. And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ. He didn't say you're Jesus. He said you're the Christ. You are the Savior of the world. You are the anointed one and his anointing. That's what Christ means. He said you are the anointed one. 
and you have brought the anointing of the Father. That's what he said. When he said, you are the Christ, he said all that in the word Christ. You are the anointed one, and you have brought the anointing of the kingdom of heaven with you. You are the Christ. And then he goes on to say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. I just, whoo, come on, just, just declare that he's living and alive in your life today. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Some of your words say, Bible say son of Jonah. Whenever you see that Bar-Jonah, it just means son of, okay? Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. Intellect cannot get you into revelation. Okay, it's going to have to be by the Spirit of God. But it is by my Father who is in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, Jesus is saying, now I want everybody to look at this illustration right quick. He wasn't calling Peter the foundation stone. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's saying, Peter, I call you rock, and on this rock, I'm going to build you on top of me. And Peter goes on to explain this. He said, being living stones built on the cornerstone, Peter wrote that himself. So let's not say Peter is the rock and the foundation of the church. Can I get an amen? amen? Jesus is the rock and the foundation of the church. And so it says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And man, any, this is the first time church is mentioned in the Bible. And the first time something's mentioned in the Bible, you need to read what uh, immediately follows that because usually that's the definition God wants of it. So the definition of church is this, uh, or, uh, a ministry that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Amen. So when we call you the church, you're automatically being said about the gates of hell can't prevail against you. Amen. The gates of hell can't prevail against me. It doesn't mean there's not going to be some prevailing. <laughs> Come on now. Some of y'all want to be an overcomer without overcoming something. You want to be more than a conqueror, and you hadn't conquered anything. If we're going to be something that the gates of hell cannot prevail against, there's going to be some prevailing going on. And God wants to do something in your life. And man, i got to get back. All right, here we go. Here we go. I'm, I'm going to get through this. 20, Lord, do some miracles. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. God's got some revelation he wants to unleash in your life, and those are called keys. He wants to show you some things about who you are. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. And let's talk this morning a little bit about falling rocks just for a moment. And the Bible says in Matthew 27, verse 27, And it fell, and great was the fall of it. And this is talking about the wise men who did not build his house on the rock and Jesus goes on to say this in Matthew 16 17 for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven if you are going to be founded on the rock of Jesus Christ you must have revelation from the father who is in heaven which is given today by the Holy Spirit you must begin to have that now some of us are struggling with this because we're struggling with even hearing from God and I hate using the term over-spiritualization because uh, as a believer, I, I think there's a great spiritual emphasis on everything, but, but some of us, I'll say it like this, you're making it harder than it ought to be. Right. And I want to give you four simple ways real quick to hear from God, okay? Four simple ways real quick to hear from God. And um, the first one uh, is this, God will show you things and show you things through images. Some of you are driving down the road and you see that the trees, every tree you look at looks greener than it did the day before for some reason. It just looks greener and you don't know why and you're wondering why do the trees look so green today and the next day they look normal again. 
Maybe that's God trying to speak to you through a picture or an image. The Bible says this in Jeremiah 1.11. It says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. So God is asking you what you see. And a lot of us, this is where Jesus struggled with people. You are ever seeing but not seeing. <laughs> you got eyes to see, but you don't really see. And so Jesus is wanting you to take account and look around about what's going on in your life because many times he's trying to speak to you in the simplest way possible to get you to know his voice first off. And he wants to just show you something that's normal to you. For example, how many of y'all have been driving through town before and it didn't matter what was going on, you hit every single red light. Maybe you need to ask God saying, God, are you trying to show me something about a red light in my life that I need to recognize? Come on, I'm just being serious. See, sometimes God has to talk to you in ways that, that are outside your norm because you're not listening to the normative way. And so he's trying to get your attention by any means, way, shape, and form. And so those are just a couple simple illustrations how you can hear the voice of God and you hear him through, you see images or you see things. The second way is literally his voice, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So when you hear the voice of God, there's some instruction that takes place. You're supposed to follow him. And a lot of times in the beginning, he'll show you something or reveal you something, maybe through an image to get you to know what his voice sounds like. Okay? And so when you see that, like, oh, uh, like, I'll just give you an example. Two Sundays ago, I drove in and the, the churchyard looked immaculate. I mean, there was no dead grass on the top. I mean, it looked immaculate. And I said, and, and it caught my attention, and it caught Pastor Mitch's attention, and it caught Hunter's attention, and a couple other people's attention. And I said, God, what are you trying to show us? Because it's going to be confirmed by the mouth of two or three witnesses. And three or four people came to me and said, man, did you see how great the churchyard looked? And God spoke this, and I said, God, what are you trying to tell us? He said, I'm doing a new, fresh thing. I'm doing a new, fresh thing. And I said, hey, praise God, I celebrate. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> And he's just confirming his word. But if I hadn't recognized what he was showing me and I was seeing, I would have never heard his voice on what he was trying to say. And my sheep know my voice. And then they follow me. And following him looks like this. Yes, Lord, I receive it. Come on. It's a new, fresh thing that you're doing. And so let it come. Pour your spirit out upon us. A new, fresh thing. And then finally, another way, it's through circumstances and situations. The Bible says this in Psalm 119, 105, and it says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He's saying, your word, the word of God, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He's going to speak to you in the midst of circumstances and situations. Have you ever came home from work and had a horrible day and you're about to unleash and God says, don't do it, don't do it, don't, just, just don't do it. And then you do it anyway. And then you have the repercussions of what you did, what you shouldn't have done. <laughs> Come on now. It's his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He's trying to illuminate you, bring light into your situation. Of, don't do it. <laughs> right? Praise God for that light. It's like the lighthouse, don't run into me. Yeah. It means you're going to hit land and you're going to sink the ship. Yeah. And so he wants to speak to you in the midst of your circumstances and situations. And this is what we're teaching all of our kids in children's church on a weekly basis, how to hear the voice of God. And some of you have put little emphasis, little emphasis on they're just kids. But can I tell you, our kids are hearing the voice of God at an unprecedented level. And I'm telling you, they're starting to leave even some of their parents behind a little bit. 
So when I started this message, I asked my staff, I need some help on where to go with this. And, and Sherry Chester brought these three points up. And she said, you may need to teach the congregation how to hear God's voice yeah. <laughs> and what to do. And the fourth way is this. The fourth way is you heard God and you just left it at hearing. But the Bible says this, the one who hears my words and does them. If you're not hearing from God, maybe you need to ask him what the last thing he asked you to do was and go back and do it. If you're not hearing from God, you need to say, God, where did I miss it? You've obviously told me to do something and I haven't done it because you've gotten kind of silent lately. And I don't like a silent God because he says you're living. And if you're living and you're silent, have you ever had the silent treatment from your spouse? <laughs> did you like it? No. If you did, there's something wrong with your marriage. We've got ministry ready for you. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Go back to the last thing he told you to do. Whether it's, hey, I really need to ask for your forgiveness. I spoke to you the other day in a way that I shouldn't have spoke to you. Hey, I did that this morning before our pre-service prayer meeting to a woman in the church. I said, hey, I said something the other day on Thursday, and I said it quick, and it was sharp, and it was to the point, and I woke up this morning, and you were on my heart, and I want to make sure I didn't offend you in any way by what I said, because sometimes I'm just blunt and to the point. Amen, Amen staff. Go ahead and clap. Say, thank you, God. Right? And so this morning, even before service, I went up to this person. I said, if I offended you, please forgive me. Because listen, I can't not hear the voice of God. It's my bread. It's what I live on day by day. Yeah. And so those are the four ways, through images, through voice, through circumstances and situations, and go back and do what he previously told you to do. Yeah. And watch God do things in your life. And so we're, that's falling rocks. Many of us fall in our Christian walk because those four areas are not in place in our life. And I don't want you to be the person who has to walk around all the time. Caution, I'm a believer, but get ready for me to fall. Thus the word, title of the message, Falling Rocks. We should not be believers that have to wear caution signs. Don't come around me because I'm likely to fall. Because I haven't been listening or seeing or hearing or doing the word of God in my life. And so now that we've got this established, how to hear from God, you no longer can be a falling rock. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise for that. You're not going to fall. Amen. I told you you're not going to fall anymore. But now I want to prevent you from becoming a slippery rock also. Because the, what's bad about a falling rock is it's just as bad when you slip and fall on a rock. Amen? When you walk, have you ever been walking through water and slipped and fell and it's not so fun? We've got to create believers that are not slippery rocks either. And Jesus asked the question in Matthew 16, verse 13b, and it says, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now listen, this is not a moment of insecurity or introspection for Jesus where he's saying, somebody please tell me who I am because I forgot. Yeah. Right? This is not what that is. Jesus is not asking you to build his self-esteem. Jesus is not asking you to encourage him because he needed some encouragement. Jesus knew where to get his encouragement. It was going to the Father daily and often every day, not just in the morning or just in the evening or when he needed to escape some crazy people. Come on now. Y'all know you got them people at your work that you're like, oh God, I just need to escape. So you spend three minutes longer in the bathroom than you should because you're trying to escape. It's a desolate place, amen. Come on now. Y'all know I'm talking right. And so in that, Jesus is not at a moment where he needs us to tell him who he is for his sake. He needs us to tell him who he is for our sake. Yeah. 
The reason why he wants you to call upon the name of the Lord all the time is so it reminds you that he is God Almighty, the living God. This is Jesus Christ, his son, the anointed one, and the anointing. And he said he wants to baptize with us with the Holy Spirit and with power to go and change the world that we live in. He wants us to rehearse that over and over for our sake, not for his sake. He's got to get that into us. So he does that by asking Peter a question and says, who do you say that I am? And Peter had the opportunity to be what I would say is the first person to make a born-again confession of Jesus Christ. We can argue about this theologically later. Just go with me for a moment, okay? And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He acknowledged who Christ is in the moment. And some of you need to acknowledge who Christ is right now in this moment in your life because it's been a while since you came before him and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. With God, all things are possible and I've let some impossible slide in. So it's time for me to start rehearsing again who you are, not for your sake, but for my sake because I got to get back into the place where I'm in a place of believing who you really said you are. And that's where slippery rocks come in. If you are a person who needs compliments all the time to make sure your Christian walk is where it should be, you're on a slippery rock because you're, believe, you're leaning on other people's affirmation instead of the Father's revelation. And listen, there's a reason when I introduce myself to people, I don't say, I'm Pastor Dr. Joel T. Meyer and it's so good to have you. I don't need accolades and accreditation to say who I am. I know who I am. I know I pastor the church here. I know I got a doctorate degree. I don't have to tell all that all the time. We in our lives, we must quit relying on people's affirmation over the Spirit's revelation of who he's calling us to be. Now listen, it's good to give compliments, and you should give compliments. When somebody looks nice, tell them they look nice. When somebody does a great job, tell them they do a great job because they are worthy of praise and worthy of honor and worthy to be lifted up and worthy to be exalted for the amazing things they're doing in the kingdom of God. But when it becomes a necessity of I got to Facebook this so I can get so many likes or so many comments to say how amazing that word from God was, you're on a slippery rock and you're worried about other people's affirmation rather than the Father's revelation. And social media has become the standard of... Um, how do you say it, uh, of, of, uh, of self-esteem building yeah. and thus the word self-esteem building, building yourself up rather than letting the Spirit of God build you up. Yeah. And now David did say this, and you need to go to the Scripture. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. It doesn't say he did self-esteem building in the Lord his God. Yeah. Come on now, that's good stuff. <laughs> you need to encourage yourself in the Lord your God. And how do you do that? By declaring who Jesus is, not who you are. By declaring who he is, the son of God is, and Peter begins to do this. And so Jesus asked him this, and so Jesus didn't do this for uh, insecurity reasons or introspection because he needed help. He did it for Peter's sake. So as he declared it, he could then go on, and Peter's response was this. You are the Christ, the son of the living God, and Jesus has given himself to us so we can become sons also. But why? Why is the question. Jesus has given us himself so that we can become sons also, but why? Not so you can just say, hey, I'm a son. <laughs> Woo, I'm in the house. <laughs> right? That's yeah. what most of us do. That's not why you got born again. That's right. You got born again for a purpose, and you got born again on purpose. Yeah, right. That's good. 
So when Jesus comes and he has given us himself so that we can become sons, why? Because as sons, we are empowered by the Father to, by his person, Jesus, to reveal his person, Jesus, here in the earth. This is why you were born again. Because now you can be empowered by the Father because you're a son to reveal his person, Jesus, here in the earth. That's why you got born again. It's so that other people can get the revelation of who Jesus Christ is because you're walking in the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And at whatever level it is, if you first got born again and you're just born again last Sunday or even this morning, you're walking in that revelation of Jesus Christ as Savior. Some of us, or or you may be walking in a deeper level of revelation and you're called to reveal that uh, uh, perspective uh, uh, and influence of Jesus here in the earth. He's calling you to make other people have a revelation through the Holy Spirit of who the Father is and how the Son works with the Father. So when Jesus came, he did this. He has given himself so we can become sons. But why? Because as sons, we are empowered by the Father and through Jesus Christ to do and reveal his person, Jesus, here in the earth. Your calling is to reveal who Jesus Christ is not by what you say because it doesn't say whoever hears these words of mine and says them you're called to reveal who he is in the earth by what you do whoever hears these words of mine and does them the Bible says is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock and the storm came the floods came the rains came and he didn't crash because of what he did not what he said We're supposed to reveal who the Father is by what we do, our action. And Jesus responds to them in verse number 17 with a blessing. He said, blessed are you. And listen, can we just bring it to what it is? It's really blessed. I don't don't understand why people say, oh, blessed. You never never added an ed on the anything else. It's blessed. The blessed business. Lord help us. That's just a little, that's, that's an issue for me, okay? I'm not saying it's bad theology or anything, but I am saying we get so religious and everything becomes uh, blessed when every, every other part of our language, until we read the Bible, oh, blessed. <laughs> no, if it's blessed yesterday and it's blessed when you're in the grocery store, it's blessed when you're reading the Bible. So let's walk in the blessing and the power of God and reveal who the Son of God is by who we are and what we do so much more than the words we say. And watch how the power of God moves forward. And so the blessing came. He said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for here's the key. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And here's the key to the whole message if he's making you a foundation rock in your life. Here's the key to the whole message. Flesh and blood cannot reveal to you the things of heaven. And this is where I'm going for next week because in Romans 9, verse 32, it says we walk in this thing by faith, but if we're not, Jesus becomes the rock of offense. Mm. Well, Jesus, we love you. No, Jesus wants to offend some of you. That's not a happy word. Y'all just got quiet like, Pastor, you never said stuff like that before. I'm telling you this morning, Whenever you approach something of spiritual, who Jesus is, the revelation of the rock, through flesh and blood or intellectual means, it's going to offend every thought that you have because intellectual can't, can't, can't understand the revealed until it's been revealed, then the intellectual can then finally understand it. Right. Some of you are wanting to get to a revealed through an intellectual state, and it doesn't happen. It only comes by faith. Right. Yeah. Right. 
And so we must approach it by faith, and then we get the revelation or the revealed word of God, and then we can apply intellectual and, and biblical theology to it to make it illustrative and change the world by what we do, not just what we say. So it doesn't start with intellect, then revealed, and then it becomes faith. It starts with faith, then it becomes revealed, and then we walk it out in what we do. See, a lot of us got the train going backwards, and we wonder why we're not hearing from God. And so it's not, Jeff brought this point up when we were talking about it in message prep, and it said, it's not a rock until it's been revealed. It is not a rock, a foundation stone in your life until it's been revealed by the Spirit of God. It's not a rock until it's been revealed because anything else is just intellect and intellect will pass away. And I said this a couple weeks ago and I forget who the author was and I'll, and I'll get the name for you. And I have it for you by next week. And, and the person as they were about to die said this, the only thing I truly know as I'm about to die is what has been revealed to me by the Holy Spirit. The rocks that I've lived my life on. He said, I have great theology. I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of great intellect. I've read tons of books and I've read the Bible hundreds of times. But the only thing that I know, that I truly know, and it is a rock in my life, is what's been revealed to me by the Spirit of God. That's how you got born again. You got the revelation by the Spirit of God that you needed to be born again. And so then, by faith, you received the revelation, and then you said intellectual words, Lord Jesus, help me. <laughs> That's all the more intellectual you got to get. But if it's words, it's intellectual, okay? Lord Jesus, help me. I need you as my Savior because I'm a sinner and I'm at my worst place in life because I realized I don't have you. And at that moment, when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you're born again according to Romans 10, 9. And he's got a great thing in store for your life. Now listen, I want to talk to you about rocks real quick. It's not a rock until it's been revealed. Joshua 4.3 says this, And he commanded them, saying, Take twelve stones or rocks from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from every place where the priest's feet stood firmly. Now, now, now that, that never, I, I never got that before. Their feet stood firmly in the midst of the river because they were standing on rock, not sand. And God told them, now, now follow me on this, God told them in the midst of all this, take the rocks that you stood on firmly out of the river and place them over here as an altar, as a remembrance for things to come in the future. The only thing you'll ever know is what's truly been revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. Those are the rocks that happened in the river that your feet were founded on. Because remember, we went to the river a couple weeks ago, and your feet are firmly founded on. He's saying, take those new revealed rocks with you. Don't leave them behind because they're the living stones that Peter goes on to talk about that I'm going to build this whole house on, the church. Ooh, that's good stuff. And so in this, I've got to get you to understand that you need the revealed rock of Jesus Christ in your life. Because this is where it's important. It's not a rock until it's been revealed. And 1 Peter 2.5 says, you yourself, like living stones, are being built as a spiritual house. Now, listen to this great author, what he said. A.W. Tozer, if you haven't read any of his stuff, go read his stuff. Jason LaRue, where are you at? You're always wanting to read some. Go by A.W. Tozer, wherever he's at. It says this, the tragedy of the church is that from childhood to old age, men have only known a synthetic God compounded of logic and theology, having no eyes to see and no ears to hear. 
From birth to old age, men or the church has only known a synthetic God, not the real deal. And he's made up of logic and theology, and we have eyes to see and ears to hear and haven't heard or seen him. Read that, heard that, got punched in the chest. I mean, it really felt like a punch in the chest. Like, ooh, have you ever been punched in the chest where it kind of like, ooh? Like when I read that, that's what it felt like. It like literally felt like, uh. and God said, Joel, are you giving the church a synthetic God? Compounded of logic and theology? And do they have eyes to see and ears to hear? And are you teaching them and enabling them to see and to hear? Man, you want to talk about a punch in the chest. But God, I'm doing my best. He didn't ask if I was doing his best, if I was doing my best. He asked me a question. Was I giving them a synthetic God? But God, he didn't ask me if I was trying. He asked me a question. See, a lot of us want to override the question, but I did my best and I tried. When I stand before him on that day, I'm proud of punching the chest moments today. I'm telling you, because I don't want to get up before him in heaven when they say, I did my best and I tried. And he said, you gave them synthetic. And they need the real deal. So in that moment, I began to evaluate this past week. What am I going to give you today? I wanted to give you four tangible ways to hear the voice of God so you can have rocks established in your life that he, in 1 Peter 2, 5, can build a living stone out of and build a living church out of. And get this, Jesus was never about building buildings. He was about building people. And the big reveal this morning is bigger than last week's big reveal because God's building you and the facility that we're about to jump into is only an avenue and it's only like a straw that you can get the things of God up into the lives of people through. So if you ever think we're going to start building a building before we start building people, you're completely wrong. We're going to start building a lot of people into the house of God so we can then move into another structure for the kingdom of God. And as I close the message this morning and the worship team comes, I want you to start developing a dependency on God because dependency will open up perceptibility. Hear me on that statement. Dependency will open up perceptibility. If you don't depend on him, you'll never see him. If you're not looking for him, you'll never find him. But it does say when you seek him, you will find him. And so seek him with all your heart. And he says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. It's not a game of hide and seek that he's wanting to play. But if you're not looking, you're not finding. My youngest son has this horrible problem. He'll take his shoes off and not remember where he put them. And they'll be literally sitting right in the middle of the living room floor. And I'll say, Aaron, go get your shoes. But I don't know where they're at. (laughs) Have you looked for them? Yes, I've looked for them. That boy ain't look for him. They're right, they're 10 feet from him. (laughs) Thus, it's a slippery rock in his life when we got to step in and help him find shoes. But oh, the spiritual connection on that. But God, I can't find you. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's in you and he's in me. He's in the trees. He's in the air. He's God over it all. He's God of all. Now don't start worshiping trees and air. Worship God. But he is God of all and he is in all. And your dependability on him will open up your seeing ability to find him. 
Some of us just need to say, I'm going to depend on you more than I depend on everybody else in my life. More than I depend on my spouse or more than I depend on my, my, my job, I'm going to start depending on you because when I depend on you, then I'll see you. When I look for you, I'll find you. When I got to get a hold of my wife, I pick up the phone and call her so I know right where she's at. When you need to get a hold of God, you do the same thing. You just call out to him because he's everywhere. But your dependability will greatly parallel with your perceptibility, how much you see him. You depend on him little, you'll see him very little. You depend on him a lot, you'll start seeing a lot of God. So my question for you this morning as the ministers come is this. Because he's building people, not a project. He's asking you one question this morning. Who do you say that I am? From RAGE students, who do you say that he is second week of school? From 5.6 leaders, who do you say that he is? From visitors in the section over here, who do you say that he is? From all the awesome people who did great work in the kingdom this past week, who do you say that he is? From people with TWBC Connect shirts on, who do you say that he is? To my ministers up here praying and about to minister, who do you say that he is? Let's qualify who God is. Would you stand with me this morning? If you get an image of something this morning while you're praying, say, God, is that you speaking? If you hear his voice, say, God, confirm your voice because I want to know that it's you and I want to follow it. If you're going through a circumstance and you're feeling the Spirit say, hold back or go forward, I want you to respond to it and say, I'm feeling this in the Spirit of God in my life and I think he's telling me to go pray for somebody, then I want you to step out by faith and go pray. Or some of you, he's going to say, I want you to hold back and I want you to just intercede for the congregation because they're going through something and they're trying to hear my voice. And for some of you in here, you're missing the voice of God because he's told you to do something and you haven't gone and done it. So I'm going to ask you to make a step of repentance and say, Father, this morning, I repent because I haven't done what you told me to do. And then immediately when the service, don't even wait till the service is done, just leave and go do it. I mean, who am I to hold up God's will for your life? (laughs) I'm not worried about your tithe check and your offering. We're not built on your finances. You can figure out a way to turn that in later. That's another thing between you and God. But you act immediately, respond immediately. So I want everybody to close their eyes across this campus today. And in the next 15 seconds, ask God this question. Repeat after me. Father, how do you want me to respond to this message? Now listen for his voice and see what he tells you to do. I want you to be quick to respond. And if you need to be born again, I want you to come immediately. We want to pray a prayer of salvation with you. Any other needs, I want you to jump into it right now and let God move in your life. Go to the communion table. Come and pray on your own or pray with one of us as we worship this morning.
you would just lift your hands up before the Father this morning. Just hold your hands up real high just for a second. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, today I begin to give you my very best. I give you my all. I put it in your hands. Father, I want to hear from you. I want to see you. I want my life to resemble you here in the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. If you believe it this morning, give God a great big hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. As you're being seated this morning, Jeff asked me if I would uh, elaborate just a little bit on uh, dependability um, will help your perceptibility as we take up the offering this morning. And so um, you may have to help me out if I forget all the ways to give because I don't rehearse that because you're good at it. Um, so this morning, in this this morning, I want you to, to know that your dependability will parallel with your perceptibility. And a lot of us haven't given like we've depended on God. You know, we, we give a tithe, we give an offering sometimes, but do we give like we depend on God? And I want you to start thinking of it in that form because when we give like we depend on him, we'll see him in ways that we've never experienced. And I believe that will happen financially in your life. Yeah, and, and I know we've got some great, amazing couples that, 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 that have done this and walked this out in their life. And, and, and they, they've given because they've depended on it and they've given like they've depended on it. Not just when they were in a moment of crisis saying, oh God, I got to sow some extra seed. No, they do it continually and I see their life being blessed continually. And not just their finances, it includes their finances, but every other area of their life as well. Their, their, their kids, their marriage and things like that. And, and man, they, they, they've got grandkids now that they've been praying for for years and God's blessed their life with grandkids. And so God's blessing every area of their life because the Bible says he will. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And so you're bringing it. You, God's not, you're not paying a bill. You're not even giving it. You're bringing God what's his. And you're handing it to him because your life depends on it. <laughs> and it says, when you do, he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. And the vines of your field will not cast their fruit. Who are the vines of your field? Those are your physical children. They're not going to run off and be hellions is what the Bible is saying. And I'll go one step further. This is the greatest act of spiritual warfare you will ever do for your family if you do it right. And so I want to encourage you this morning that as you give... Give with a dependency on the Father because your life depends on it. And so you can give through the app. You can give as the offering buckets go by. You can fill out an envelope. Other ways to give. Did I miss it? Website. And the website. You can give on the website and things like that. But Father, as we give this morning, we give you your tithes and we get to give you an offering this morning. And we're giving like our life depends on it because our life does depend on it. And as we give to you this morning, God, we thank you that we will exceed the kingdom of God, expand in our personal lives, in our community lives, in the four-state area, and around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord God, your word says that as you give, give cheerfully. So y'all give God a hand clap of praise this morning as you're about to give. Let's take up this morning's offerings.